Hey there, out there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to roll that back for a second. That came out way too radio-esque for me. I sounded like a Z100 DJ in 1999 for a second. Hey there, out there. You're listening to The Real People Podcast, and I'm your host, Andrew Ginsberg. We're going to bring out our first guest in just a minute, but first, the weather. I would have been good at that in a different life. If only I was uh, 31 in 1999. Oh, well. This is The Real People Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ginsberg. If this is your third time tuning in, thank you so much. I'd assume you're like a fan now. Maybe you'll listen to this every Monday for the rest of your life. I've never really started something and listened to it three times and then given up on it unless it was like House of Cards or something. So thanks for being a fan and thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to say welcome to the show. We have a really, really good episode today. Great guest, Mark Knapp, Googler, retired, <laughs> uh, world traveler, and a humanitarian. Really interesting interview. I'm excited for you to hear it. I decided I would start off these shows with my quick 30-second deep thought of the week. And Andrew's quick 30-second deep thought this week is on dating and wearing masks. You know, as we go back into the world, we're all going to have to wear masks probably forever. It just seems like we will. I don't see a day when someone's going to say, hey, we no longer have to wear masks. It's not a thing anymore. And and if that day ever does come, I mean, it'll be forever from now, right? But eventually, we're all going to go back into public with masks on, all of us, all the time. And you're going to have to coordinate your outfit around that mask. So it's like, what, what kind of mask do you wear to a date or a job interview? Has anyone thought about this? Because I've seriously been thinking about it. It's like, if, all right, if you're going on a date, you don't want to show up with no mask, right? Because then you look like a crazy person. But you don't want to show up with like an N95 mask on because then it's like, what's with this guy? You went, to, you went to hospital, dude. You look like a nut. And you don't want to wear something with too much design on it or like a logo of a sports team or something because then it's just like, ugh. What a rube, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Uh, I think the best way to probably go, if I had to think about it, is like disposable. Just the the blue classic, light, carefree. I'm wearing it. I got more of these. I don't wear this thing every day. It's not gross. And I can take it off, you know, and and you can kind of tell what I look like without it on. I think that's the future. Anyway, that's my deep thought. Since I don't have a sponsor, I'm just encouraging people to check out various charities that I think are cool, and I'm picking charities based on what my guests' interests are. <laughs> so this week, I'm choosing Charity Water. This is a really great charity. I've actually donated to them quite a bit over the years. Charity Water is a nonprofit organization that brings clean and safe drinking water to people in developing countries. When a community gets access to clean water, it can change just about everything. It can improve health. It can increase access to food, grow local economies, and help kids spend more time in school. So check out Charity Water, charitywater.org. All right, let's get this thing off the ground. My guest today on the Real People podcast is Mark Knapp. Mark Knapp is a former employee of Google and Salesforce.com and PepsiCo. But in 2015, he took a trip to Peru that kind of changed his brain, and he realized that that stuff wasn't making him happy. So he quit the corporate life and just started backpacking around the world with the mission of figuring out what makes people happy. And after he was done with that, he started working for NGOs that operate in Africa. Since then, he's lived in Kenya, Ethiopia, Uganda. Mark is a a fascinating guy. I love him to death. I can't articulate enough how much respect I have for him. And I think this is a really good conversation. Before I introduce him and bring him on, I just want to tell you a little bit about this interview, if you'll indulge me for like 30 seconds. So 
This episode was actually the very first episode that I recorded of the Real People podcast. Now, I realize I'm putting it out third because it's part of my end-to-end program strategy and the cadences that I've decided, but this was technically the first one we recorded. We recorded it actually in May, you know, deep in shelter in place, uh, deep in COVID, deep in, in on a lot of stuff that we were all realizing for the first time. I, I wanted to, to, to do a new creative project. And I'm telling you this because... You know, when I first asked Mark to be the first guest, he was like, you know, he's kind of an introverted guy. <laughs> he was like, well, don't you know, like all these other kind of people like actors or comedians and stuff like that that might want to do it? And I was like, yeah, but the concept for the show and at the time I was calling it really interesting people in, in my mind, which I then nixed because I thought it was too long of a title. Anyway, uh, I was like, the show's called Really Interesting People and, and you're the most interesting guy I know. And I really meant that with all my heart. And I said, if we just get on the phone and just have a, a conversation on the phone and record it, then I bet we can extract a, a podcast out of it. And I, and I told him that I needed the podcast as a pilot so that I can then go to other guests and say, hey, I'm doing a podcast. Here's an example of what it sounds like. And he agreed to do it. And I just think that was a really good friend move. It speaks to the type of person he is. He's not afraid to try things for the first time. And just just a, just a beautiful soul. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I made some mistakes. You know, it was my first time doing a remote recording in a really long time. I mailed him, like, microphones and a headset and all this stuff. I thought I had the, the package perfect, but I forgot to send him a mic stand so you can hear his sound clips a little bit. <laughs> I'm not making excuses. It's all my fault. But, you know, this is the very first try at this. And we talked on the phone for three hours on a Saturday afternoon. And then I cut it down to, to 50 minutes. And uh, I, I don't know. I just wanted to tell you this little story about this being the first one because uh, it just speaks to who Mark is. I really appreciated it a lot. And I just wanted to thank him for that. And I wanted you to know that about that going into this episode. So without further ado, introducing Mark Knapp. You're 32, right? 33? 32. Like 32. Okay. Nice. Great number. And it's like, there's no real, like, there's no real adults anymore. Like, remember, like, if you, if you think of an adult, like, from you and you were, like, eight years old, yeah. right? Like, when I was eight years old, I pictured them just, like, you get to a certain age where you're just like, now, now I don't, you know, I'm no longer having fun. I no longer experience joy. And I'm an adult. And then, and then, like, the kids be playing. It's like, oh, no, here comes the adult. And it'd just be this person, <laughs> like, stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop enjoying your life. Yep. We're we're adults here, you know. The and adults, the adults said we can't do this. Yeah, the grown ups, we can't, we can't do the this. Grown ups, the grown ups said we have to stop. But that was the that was the primary function of an adult, right? Was to instill mm-hmm. like, and and if you think about like like before our parents' generation, like the grandparents' generation, mm-hmm. right? Like they, like my grandpa, you know, he used to sit in a chair and just be like, "Bad mother, <laughs> everything really pisses me off." You know that? Like, yeah, give me that, give me that steak. I'm sure. gonna eat that without thinking about what's what its impact is on my heart. Sure. I don't care. We're adults. Yeah. We don't think. And I just feel like that generation of a, of adult, that American pissed off, fun time ruining adult, is dead. Is like we're not those. We're not like that. We're not those types of adults. Sure. So we're 32. It's like, well, who are we? What are we? What are, what are we gonna be? You know, as as yeah. adults, like we're really like, dude, we're entering in our 30s. We're gonna be in our 40s in a blink of an eye. Yeah, and and we're this new generation of adults. Like, what 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 are we? Yeah, it'll be well when we do this podcast in forty years. We can we can check in and see <laughs> see how we're feeling. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I th- I think you're right. Uh, I also think like when we're ki- when we were kids, we looked up to adults and thought they all had everything figured out, and 
And right. when you're an adult, you realize like nobody has anything figured out. And I mean, my my dad reads the newspaper all day, uh, right. which is awesome. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and so my dad reads the newspaper all day too. But it's like it's the New York Post, which is like a tabloid magazine. Right. So you right. you you ask like what it would be like to live with my parents. Like I I feel like my parents like they're good people. I love my parents, obviously. Yeah. But they're representative of of what I think is like sort of the the suburban middle yeah. class your 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 if you've watched the sopranos on hbo like your interpretation of what the new jersey middle class is like you know sure. the, the stereotypes there that's kind of what they're like so i have to be like you should read the paper all day but don't read the new york post it's a tabloid yeah. magazine yeah. it's like what are you talking about you know what i mean it's the news yeah yeah, yeah. but but your situation with your parents it sounds like your parents are i mean is it just a northern california thing do you do you get out to northern california even when you're an adult and you're just like well, you know, I mean, we're we're different kinds of people here. The air is different. They just put something else <laughs> yeah. in the air. Yeah, they in the they water. eat avocados. Yeah, I mean, uh, you cross you cross the border and you get a, a nice little a joint and uh, <laughs> and an avocado. Welcome. And you don't have to uh, worry about any of that stuff that you worried about anymore. You're in <laughs> California now. You're in a paradise, <laughs> except for the wildfires. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, maybe. I I think uh, my so my mom. When we moved from Pennsylvania to California, she and she still maintains this. She says like, West Coasters are nicer people. Like they're just Whoa. happier and and nicer. She's like convinced. So right. anytime she meets somebody that's not so nice, she says, Ah, they must be from New Jersey. Right, uh, right. But I, but I think like, and you, I mean, you can speak to this like, the effect that California had on you when you were, you'd come out at like eight in the morning <laughs> on a Saturday and be like. Another day in Oz. <laughs> and, like, let me go eat a lemon. You're right. If you zoom out a little bit from what you said, like, California had a major impact on me in, in terms of my own happiness and my physical, yeah. you know, uh, self. And it, it, there was a drastic shift. You're right. Like, your mom says uh, that people are happier in California or nicer, right? And I think that there there is a truth to that in the sense that, like... People in, in on the East Coast and in the Midwest have to deal with more elements, and yeah. and and you know you have to deal with winter, and it sucks, yeah. and you have to dig, and yeah. you have to, and you're just like ugh. And then when you go to a coffee shop, you know I'm not the first one to say this, so I just want to be clear, it's not an original thought, but like when you go to a coffee shop in New Jersey, it's you're in, you're out, or New York, you know you get yeah. the coffee, you're annoyed, you got to go somewhere, it's polluted, you get the coffee, you got to sit in traffic. Everything sucks. There's cops out. You're pissed. You call, somebody calls you and they're stressed out. Hey, I'm over here. I'm trapped on the da ba da ba da. You know, okay, I'll call you later. Okay, and then you know your parents call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Uh, you better. You coming home for dinner for five o'clock? I right, okay. You know, and it's like, and then but then you, I got out to California, and I was like, whoa, because people there are in the, the beautiful California sun. They're eating healthier. They're surrounded mm. in Northern California in San Francisco. It was so be- it was so beautiful to me. It really was. I had never. Yeah. It was jarring, like it was. It was jarring, like because I, I was 26. I, I had never even really left the East Coast. I mean, I traveled. I'd been to Europe and stuff like that, but I'd never moved somewhere besides New Jersey or New York. You know, I'd never left the East Coast to live. Yeah, I came out to the West Coast, and I was like, "It's beautiful here." I was, I was moved by it, and maybe it was like a like sort of like a boy-ish sort of reworking of the world like i was like filled with wonder when you first met me i was like dude like you mentioned at eight o'clock in the morning be like wake up mark like we live in fucking oz like dude wake up and don't get me wrong there's beautiful parts of new jersey like i went to montclair state university and it was mountainous and 
and there's great hiking, great pe- like I have. There's positive things about Jersey, but just the day to day grind and the feeling you have from being in the, on the east. You go out west, you see these beautiful things, and I, uh, flowers growing. The weather's perfect every single day, and I was like, you could live here. And I think yeah. that contributed to some of like how we became such good friends. Is we, we went through that together almost. Sure. The in, the enjoyment of California. Yeah. Well, I was always uh, no. I agree. I think you're like. Uh, you articulated a lot of things about California that people take for granted. Uh, and I mean, as simple as it is like California weather, like I'm looking out my window right now. I don't know how it is in, in New York. It's yeah. just going to be like another perfect day. Like, you know, 75, like you walk yeah. outside. It's just, it's perfect. There's terrible pollen everywhere, but, um, yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I I, w- I was taken aback just by like how much uh what a what an impact it had on you. Well, well like just how much you appreciated it and said a lot of things that I think um everybody takes for granted. Uh also just your like new um view on a lot of things like you you just seem so interested by like all sorts of things in San Francisco whether it's like finding these new hole in the wall restaurants to eat in. Uh, like yeah. going to Dolores Park, like by yourself and just yeah. like sitting and having an IPA or something. Um, do you feel like that? Were you like that in, in New Jersey before? Because I think that's also part of you is just like exploring and like being uh, being brave to like go explore things by yourself. And um, but your relationship with San Francisco, like all the places you found and like whether it was uh, a lot what's the place cancun taqueria yamo <laughs> yeah uh just like your love affair with dolores park uh and yeah. dolores dolores your ex-girlfriend and i thank you for calling me brave from from the guy who moved to singapore and asia after not never being there you know what i mean and then living in uh what ethiopia uganda where else what are all the places you've lived in since uh, you've left san francisco yeah, so I moved to Singapore and lived there for a year and a half, and then I backpacked uh, for a year yeah. um, across Asia, which was really yeah. cool. Um, uh, I like the the really cool stretch was going like by train and bus from um, from Hong Kong uh, oh. through through China, through Russia, and and over wow. to um, to Finland. So that was awesome. Uh, and then I moved to Ethiopia and worked for uh, an NGO for a year there. And then I transferred to uh, Kenya for six months. And then, yeah, I've been in Uganda. And now I'm back in California. And next next up is uh, New York City, the, the, the epicenter <laughs> of, of COVID-19. <laughs> I'm recording this I, from, I would say from that, see, like, that description is... And the reason <laughs> I'm asking you to just recap that is because I find that to be immensely brave to go to those places moving to california was a softball you know yeah i was i was gonna say i would be lo- i would love to uh to hear uh first impressions let's talk about first impressions <laughs> of each other i had nowhere to live i would think your first impression of me was probably desperate because i i waited in line with 30 people to interview to live with you guys <laughs> yeah. i couldn't find a fucking apartment i couldn't believe it how competitive yeah. it was sure you know i thought i was gonna get there and just find a place oh a it's one bazillion dollars nobody can afford to live here and B, you have, okay, even if you're an adult, you're 40, 50 years old, you have to have five roommates. Yeah. And so then I process that really fast. Okay. And then I'm waiting in line for 30 people. 
get up front. You know, we remember Dave. Dave was a character. And Dave's also one of my best friends. I'm sure he's listening to this episode right now. And he was like, hey, man, like, we like sports here, man. You know, this is a sports, <laughs> this is a sports <laughs> house. You know, like, I've never watched a sport in my life. And he's like, <laughs> like, but I love the apartment. It was in the perfect location, 17th of Guerrero, right by Dolores Park. And then I met you. And I remember thinking to myself, this guy likes me. I think he, like, kind of likes me. Like, he's my shot to get into this place. <laughs> Dave was like, this guy seems too eager, man. Like, why you got to live here so bad, man? I was just like. <laughs> and uh, I think, like, my first impression of you was like, yeah, this just seems like. So-. He's, he, you said in your interview, like, yeah, I like sports. I like music. And I work at Google. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So he's just some tech <laughs> schmuck, you know. But he kind of seems like he likes me. And my, I remember the first time I moved, when I first moved in, I walked by your room. So you know when you move into a share for the first time and you kind of like. If you don't know your roommates, you found them on Craigslist or something, you walk in and and I, I kind of wanted to see what your rooms look like. Not that I'm snooping through your stuff, but if the door is open, you know you got to look and like see the window into your new roommate's world a little bit. Sure. And I, sure. I, your and door was like... And, and if they're asleep, you know, you just crack... <laughs> <laughs> it's 1 a.m., you just crack open the door and hover over them for a few minutes and, and that's what you do. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, that I stare at you every single night for, uh, you know, until I until you say, I got to get out of here. I'm moving to fucking Singapore. I got to get out of here. Um, but I opened your door and it was like slightly ajar. OK, so it was already open. <laughs> I opened it a little bit and, and you were <laughs> and you were standing in in the middle of the room. And you had a, you had, you know, I had never met people that actually dressed like this before I went to Northern California, too, with the scarf around the neck and the. Like the, I don't know, Mr. Rogers sort of look. I to be suppose. fair, like, it was uh, very cold in that apartment. <laughs> yeah, very cold for San Francisco. It was like 50 degrees. You know? Sure. No, but that uh, apartment was like 20 degrees colder than It outside. was, yeah. It did get drafty. It was hardwood it did. floors. I, I remember I used to sleep in uh, my my, winter, my jacket <laughs> when I first moved in because I, you know, I didn't have anything. I didn't have blankets or anything. I was sleeping on like an air mattress and then I'd put like three coats on me and go to bed. I was like, why is it so cold in here? Dave was like... No, he ain't no he ain't no air conditioning here, man. Just the weather, man. It's San Francisco. I was like, all right. So he was like, buy a heater. You know, everyone used to go to him with like complaints about the apartment. Be like, Dave, uh, it's free. Because he was like the landlord, too. Like, Dave, it's freezing in my room. He'd be like, yeah, buy a heater, man. <laughs> Dave, all right. the, Dave, the Wi-Fi doesn't doesn't really work in, in all right i'll go get some wires man we'll do we'll do that we'll we'll, we'll, rig, we'll rig up some 56k all right Is man there something? go can buy me a, go buy me some wires can we get a new router no the wires no nah, man i wrote that wires. router it was 1997's best router um anyway so i opened your door a little bit and classical music was just blasting like bach your classical music guy i guess still and you were just conducting with your eyes closed just like waving conducting furiously to this like music and you were really into it and i like walked away and i was like this guy is such a prep such a you know cool what guy. i mean such <laughs> he's so, so multi- cool like so multifaceted <laughs> <laughs> he waves he's he's he you know i was like he's like so preppy and he went to amherst i always thought you were a nice guy i was like you know he worked at google he uh used to work at salesforce and i think he worked at pepsico before that right i was yes. like just had this like sort of yeah, I, you know, you just reminded me of like one of those tech people, and like, and so that's kind of how I wrote you off in my head. But then when we started talking and we became friends, um, I felt like I, I met you right at the precipice of when you started to have like a transformation of, of self. And I felt like you started to come to me and say, you know, I was at I was at work today, and someone was like, <laughs> like ah, like we need to make sure we're we're filtering this view to make sure that you know we're 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 focused on growth for you know quarter one to do blah blah. blah. And you were like, and I just realized like, what is the purpose of this? Like what? What is this doing for me? You were saying stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Like, like, why am I getting upset about this stuff? Sure. Who cares? What does it all even mean? Sure. And then we started talking about that. And then I felt like you really started to really chase it though, in a direction where I, I never had the, the audacity to go where you were like, no, I'm actually like thinking I'm maybe I'll just quit my job entirely. And maybe there's a different framework for living. Right. Yeah. And then you went to Peru and when you came back, I felt like you were like, I'm, I'm going to change my life. Yeah. And that's a drastic transformation. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like the, the sure. build up to that and then going to Peru. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, uh, 20s, like mid 20s is a weird time for a lot of people. And like, you're, you know, exiting, uh, your early 20s where you're like, I know everything and, uh, and like I can do anything and I'm, I'm one of a kind and I'm special and I'm going to change the world. And then like mid 20s, uh, you <laughs> invariably like gets, get caught up in like some corporate, um, uh, job where, yeah. yeah, you're focused on, on things that maybe are not that fulfilling or meaningful. Um, and yeah, you, uh, I think everybody has a moment where, or, or maybe, uh, maybe it, it comes later for a lot of people, but I think we all like <clears throat> have crises and, and just like re revisit a lot of the assumptions we made. Anyway, uh, yeah. I think the, yeah, for me, uh, I think you moving, moving in was, I, I was thinking about a lot of these things and I think you were like the perfect advisor and, uh, and like sounding board. And I think we resonated on a lot of these, these questions that we were asking. And like, obviously we, we even now still don't know anything. Right. Of what, right. Of what I'm we're still working about. in a, I'm, we just, I'm still in the structure. Yeah. 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 And we, I think it's, uh, you know, it, uh, maybe we're idealistic at times. Yeah. And so, yeah, my friend, Jesse, uh, was in between jobs and he was like, I'm going to go see Machu Picchu. And I was like, sounds good. So it was like a six day trip to Peru, which is kind of crazy how <laughs> like we, it might've been like a five day trip. It was so short for how, yeah, you know, for the trip. Um, <clears throat> right. For how powerful it was. Yeah. And just like, I mean, how packed it was, just how, how like full every day was. And, um, <laughs> to, but well, I, side note before you consider to continue that, that's how Americans travel though. You know, yeah, it's you're true. so used to, you're so used to now being like, I think I'll go to, uh, you know, <laughs> Bali for th- six months. Yeah. Uh, and I've met a lot of people through my own travels like that, but in America, it's like, I'm going to take my six days off this year and right. that's how, that's my traveling. Right. That's right, our right. values. It's so anyway, true. Continue, but yeah, yeah. that's why that's just giving context of the why you gave took a five day trip. <laughs> it's true. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was three quarters of my leave for that for that year so i gotta <laughs> i had to make them count um with a with a few sick days peppered in yeah. uh and uh yeah and so i mean it was an amazing trip i think peru as as you can attest is a beautiful country and like just yep. wonderful beautiful uh green um amazing and, and uh yeah when i came back i just i i don't know if i was like i think i was still uh inconsistently journaling as i still am and I, I like wrote, I wrote down like, tr- live abroad. <laughs> like, <laughs> why don't you live abroad? Uh, and I think it was the first time I thought about like, instead of just, I mean, I, I did a bunch of traveling when I was young. So I was in a, a boys choir and we, uh, yeah, I was really lucky to like go to Cuba and go to Russia and like at age like 10 and then <clears throat> just had a long period of time where I didn't do any traveling. Yeah. And so I think Peru was like the reawakening uh and i think for me like traveling and just living abroad it's it every day is so interesting um 
like everything is different, you know, like you meet right. people and uh, pe- people do things in different ways. They eat different food. They have different mannerisms, like they have different um, values, but still at the same at the same time, we're all very similar in a lot of ways. And people are nice and caring and for the most part, like empathetic and compassionate and and care about each other and are curious. And um, and so I think that's that's been just the reward of of uh living abroad but i'll say that when i uh yeah so after i got back from peru um we we talked a bit and then yeah within three months i was gonna move to singapore uh i was also like going through i was like i'm 27 and i'm gonna die this is this this is not a drill like this is my one and only life um i should as as great as you know companies that i mean there's there's a lot of great companies to work for that treat you well and and pay you pretty well um but like that's not what what i wanted and so uh but yeah within three months i had found this job in singapore uh which i didn't even know where singapore was and uh (laughs) and but i remember talking to you and i was like should i take it it's kind of a lateral move and i was still (laughs) i was still in that you know uh yeah yeah corporate mindset to a certain degree and i was like it's i don't know andrew it's not the best opportunity but and you were like it's singapore like go move (laughs) go move to singapore if it's anything like pirates of the caribbean it's gonna be awesome (laughs) (laughs) what i said you you didn't say that Uh. (laughs) that's revisionist history but uh but like that i mean that was my my only uh my only impression of singapore (laughs) to be totally honest I mean, that's what I thought was so. I mean, I remember, and the reason I was so encouraging you so much is because I, I, I recognized in you, I saw something in you that I don't think you saw at the time yourself. That's why I was so supportive of it. And I was like, this guy really has the balls to go yeah. there, because you're working at Google, man. You know, you're. I mean, that's everybody's. I would say a lot of people would say that's your dream job for a lot of people. Yeah, the best com- probably the best company you can work for. Yeah, and uh, I mean, other than you know, IBM. <laughs> We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I, but I remember thinking, like, you saying to me, like, it's like you know, you're supposed to have this feeling. Like, I, I worked at PepsiCo, and then I worked. I wasn't happy. I worked at Salesforce, and then I wasn't happy. Then I got to Google, and I was like, well, you've made it. If if you can't be happy here, yeah, then then the the framework is off. Then something's wrong with the structure. Sure. Because Google gives you all the things that would make like some people probably could have your identical job and be happy. Like they're like, I'm getting paid well. I have a good work life balance. I love my coworkers. I'm creatively being used for the right things i i'm right. totally fulfilled in all those areas i right. can i can work out i can do my laundry whatever you guys do right. over there you know yeah but you actually were like gonna break out of it and i was like mark if you, if you're really gonna do this like you're gonna you really want this like i i don't i respect it the most i don't know anyone else has like so i feel like when we first met it was like i was like kind of mentoring you on like what i knew about you know fighting the system you know mm-hmm. i was like yeah man listen to pink floyd don't listen mm-hmm. to that you know uh let's read this book you know uh, read noam chomsky wake up you know yeah. and all that kind of stuff but yeah. i don't live i couldn't i could never practice it in that way yeah. i took baby steps where i'm like i'm not gonna get married i'm not gonna have kids i'm gonna you know just do whatever i want i'm gonna party sure but you really like meaningfully took a jump to sure to to undo those things to undo sure. those things is what i'm trying to say yeah, and and I think I mean I think the like the first plunge is the toughest, you know. Like I think once you just move abroad, I think things change. Um, I mean, yeah. But by, by the way, like ten years ago, I think li- moving to a different state was like mind blowing to me. Um, right. So so actually, when we met, I was like, and still am, 
super impressed with just the move to California and not knowing anyone <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll say a few things also. Like, by the way, I, I think you and I agree on this. Like, there's nothing wrong with having like a, a really steady job that pays well. And like, if, if that's what yeah. people value, like that's totally awesome. And, and I think a lot of people, I mean, sometimes I think like, <laughs> is it just a contentedness issue? Like, like, am I just perpetually unsatisfied? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe it's, uh, it's, uh, instead of just like looking for the next thing, uh, I should learn a bit of contentedness, but, um, that's, that's another conversation. Uh, yeah. so I think for a lot of people, it's like a job is a job. Uh, you know, I, I do this thing that is not that fulfilling, that is slightly problematic, but like, I don't take it too seriously. I put in my time. I like my coworkers, like this is, this is what I do, which I think is great. Right. Um, the other thing I'll say is like, I think for a lot of people, uh, yeah, money and like security is, yeah, is a, is a, uh, you have to be pretty I think privileged to be able to like leave your job and like go backpack for a year as I did. And so like, I, I think, um, but, but I think a lot of, a lot more people can do this than they think. And, right. and that's where it's just like taking the plunge and saying like, I, I can make this work and, and I'll, and I'll probably land on my feet. I, I always think it seemed impossible. How do you make money? Where do you live? Money. Yeah. How, well, where do you live? Uh, yeah. how do you get by, you know? And sure. So can you talk about that? Because that you said that to me years ago. Where you said, you know, I want you to know that this it is. When, after you moved, you were like, it's possible to do this. Sure. It's it, and you don't have to be. Yes, you come from a place of privilege, and so do I. And we're you're we're aware of that privilege. But the concept that anybody can do this, yeah, I think is one <laughs> worth is a, is a notion worth sharing. So sure. What does that What does that mean? To work abroad, if you if you are able to, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, right. It, I mean, I I say that like sounding. <laughs> Uh, overly simplistic but uh but like i think uh like traveling taking three six months off a year off whatever i mean it, it i i think there's two challenges that a lot of people are worried about like one is the loneliness which is not yeah. i mean that's not insignificant like the first <clears throat> within the first three days of my backpacking trip i like kind of freaked out i was like in a hostel um I was was and still am pretty judgmental. And so <laughs> I'm in a hostel and I'm just like there's all these like 22-year-old like Danish kids like <laughs> uh, like I'm on Hi, gap year. We're, we're yeah, like we're, we're on gap year. We're not going to work until we're 40 and it doesn't <laughs> right. matter we'll still right. be fine. Right, yeah. Right, right. And they're like you're from America. What do you think of Trump? Uh, I was like I backpacked to to run away from Trump. That's why. <laughs> yeah, why do you think I'm here? I'm on the run. Uh <laughs> But um, I like, I mean, I was kind of jet lagged and I remember like I went to bed at 6 p.m. and was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't make friends every day. Yeah. Um, I like I'm I'm judgmental. Like, I, you know, I see people in the common room and I'm like, oh, these guys got they're wearing, you know, their elephant <laughs> yoga pants like they. And, and so <laughs> yeah, th that's yeah. like one thing you just have to wrap your head around. And, and that is scary. And like by the end of a year traveling, it's pretty exhausting. Like you're you're tired of like telling your story you're just like i wish i could be with people who get me and i didn't have to like explain everything and as great as that is it's it can be tiring uh right. i think on the on the cost side again like it's not it's not nothing but i traveled for a year and it basically cost uh around $15,000 yeah. which is which is a lot of money but like 
if you travel in the right places and like are I think have like pretty <laughs> like low standards, whether it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I stayed in a hostel, I lived in a dorm room for a year straight and that is tough. Uh, right. So you, you know, you have your, your earplugs and your, your eye mask and <laughs> have to get pretty good at sleeping in noisy situations. But like um, it, it, yeah, I, it's totally doable. I think for like three months, if you have some savings uh, it's, and I, to me, I think a, a lot of people, are probably worried about like the career implications like oh to take time off like will my job let me do it or like i'll have to leave my job and then find a new job and like what will that look like and people will say like what what are you doing like are you going through something <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. to which to which point you look them in the eye and say absolutely i am we all are <laughs> so of those places that you travel to so you find yourself on the other side of the globe and, and maybe it was it was tough at first to start building out that carving out that life for yourself but you eventually hit a place where you seemed like you were rolling right when i talked to you over the last couple of years you were like i think i'm gonna live abroad for the rest of my life yeah uh, you used to say like i don't think i'll ever come home um and maybe now that the u.s government sent you home you're <laughs> home but so so when you started to get into that rhythm what did it for you i mean like what made you start to think about a life abroad as a possibility it's like one one i think once you take the plunge like it's it's pretty easy like w- once you just live abroad you're like i can live abroad it's not it's it's challenging um, you meet people, like you make connections, you figure it out, like you you figure out how you just adapt, like you eat, you know, local food, you you know the things you can get, et cetera. Right. Um, I think it's also uh, it's it's just really interesting. Like every day is is super interesting, and I think like going back to what you know is kind of hard. And like, um, I mean, there's just so much, so so much diversity in the world and like variety even even as we globalize more and more like there's just corners of the planet that are just so different um i think the downside of traveling or like one thing that i've um been a little uh just been more and more aware of is i think it can be a little addicting so you're just like always thinking about the next place you'll go like even now i'm like man when coronavirus when coronavirus quits all this business and and and, and when everything Donald, goes back to normal, when, yeah. <laughs> when Donald Trump uh, puts on a mask, uh, <laughs> just put on the mask. Uh, just, just wear the mask, man. Just wear the mask, man. Pence is saying it. Everybody's saying it. Uh, I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to go to Eritrea. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, I'm always thinking about the next place. So uh, that, that seems like a good problem to have, though. A, a good addiction. You know? It is. It is. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think like life abroad is really interesting. And and um, and this sounds pretty like uh, cliched and, and like, yeah, but y- you go abroad like everybody's nice. <laughs> like everywhere you go, people are just <laughs> so know. sweet. Like, right. Even in the U.S., uh, like people are Agreed. Are, are sweet. And uh, I mean, some of my experience, experiences in Ethiopia I mean, Ethiopia is like a, an incredibly unique place and uh, the only country in Africa never to be colonized and like just vibrant, like unique culture, the sweetest people, like so warm and genuine. At least uh, a lot of a lot of people have like love hate relationships with Ethiopia. But um, I mean, it's just some of the like relationships, not not deep relationships, but like in coffee shops that I formed with people. Yeah, sure. I like knew nothing about them. They knew nothing about me, but it, like just the genuineness and like the connection that you can form i i think uh it's just like it it's kind of amazing and i think it's it's fun to to just 
meet new people and like understand new things. But at the end of the day, um, just realize like we're all super similar in, in all sorts of ways. And like, we all, yeah, just, we all just want to be happy and like do well and care about our families and like have a, a good, you know, a good life. So, so Trump's tagline is make America great again. Right. Did you, that, now that's not a tagline that, and like the argument is that America was never great. And that's probably a conversation for a different day. That's my argument. Right. And I think a lot of people's argument, like mm-hmm. what defines it. Mm-hmm. And there was also Bill Clinton's headline, you know, when he was running for president, it was make America great again, who also took that from Ronald Reagan. So it's been used three times in American history. And oh, I didn't, I didn't know Clinton yeah. used it also. Oh, you know, if, you know, if Trump used it, he took it and just slapped his name on it, man. That guy sure. think of anything. Yeah. Sure, sure, <laughs> that's sure. Why, you know, that's the same way he builds builds hotels. He just buys one that was already there and puts Trump on it. Yep. Um. So, yeah, Make America Great Again was used in three separate presidential campaigns, three separate winning presidential campaigns. So, obviously, wow. that speaks to people because the country is great. Yeah. And now that you've lived in and you've been to countries like you've been through Russia, you, you just you earlier named a country I've never heard of that you wanted to travel to. I didn't even know what you were talking about. Um, you've, you, you know, you're talking about uh, you've lived in Singapore, uh, Uganda, Ethiopia. What? And you've been you spent a lot of time in India. I remember you telling me that India was your favorite, some of the favorite your favorite travel that you ever did. Mm. Um, what makes a country great? Like, what does that mean? Because what 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 would you think the qualities of a great country should have? Is because you can say, oh, it's this, it's uh, some of the most amazing places I've traveled to, at least like Vietnam, for example. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, I loved Vietnam um, yeah. or even Israel, which, you know, I went on your pretty cookie cutter trip when I was younger. I went on like a birthright trip, but um, yeah, not theoretically, not the best places, right? If you look, yeah. if you were to make a checklist of what makes a country great, but then you find that they are so incredible because, so obviously, people, one thing, stock um, market, well, stock market, <laughs> jobs. <laughs> Job, no, I mean, job, what makes, a, what makes a nation great? It, it growth, right? We're so focused as a culture on, like, we were talking about this two nights ago when we talked on the phone on growth. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, but what no, if sorry, you go ahead? But we'll take growth out of the equation. Say you don't care about the national GDP. Yeah. Is there a way to think about what makes a what would make a society great without without this underlying like what makes it what makes a nation great? In some of these places, like they're economically suffering. You called Ethiopia a beautiful country, so that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. What's great? What def- well, do you, I would, I, let's work on the definition like, of that. From my perspective or from like as a what what means a country is thriving? Like like is the question uh cuz I can I I think uh to like visit a country uh like some of my favorite countries have uh have not necessarily been like uh countries that are doing well. Mhm. Right. Well, that's what I mean. So the Definition of well is subjective, but sure. say you remove say you remove economics from the equation, right? So you can yeah. I think a pretty a pretty stock way to look at what makes a country great, and I think when people yeah. say make America great, they're talking about some sort of industrial revolution. Yeah, they're talking about uh, they're talking about a country where everybody's employed, which has actually never happened in this country ever. But you know that. Yeah, so I'm preaching on the choir here, but yeah, like okay, so like everything's fine, and everybody can just kind of work their nine to five, and then they yeah. can retire comfortably, and they can all yeah. die. Without, and they have a corner of the world where they can fuck off and not talk to anybody and they have their suburbs and all that stuff. And that's what great country. I think that I th- really think that's the American perception of great. Sure, sure. And if sure, I get sure. diabetes, you know, from eating chips every day, I'll be able to afford my pills. That's true. But but let's strip that out of the equation. Yeah. 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 What what makes a country what really would as a human being? Sure. What, what makes it great in the places that you've been to where there isn't that? You right. Know? Yeah, I think. uh I mean, I think like you have to have basic needs taken care of. So, like countries that have really high rates of 
extreme poverty, like, you know, y you can have all of the, all of the other things, but if you don't have what you need to survive, it's not, not going to be great. Uh, I think like to, to make it super simple and, and oversimplify, like just strength of human connection and like strength of community is really important. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so countries are like communities where like sense of community is strong. People care for each other. They like watch out for each other. They feel like they can depend on each other. Um, uh, I think that is, is really key uh, to well-being. So, um, and that's hard to get. I think in the U S like we don't really have that sense, uh, you know, like communities are, not as at least for a lot of people are like not as strong we're we're pretty lonely like everybody's focused on themselves which is uh, i'm not not saying like i understand why i th i think uh you're kind of taught uh from a young age that you know like you said like you're gonna die alone like you gotta look out for yourself <laughs> it's all competition um, it's all it's yeah it's all centered around growth exactly and getting more than your neighbor and Right, and, you gotta and being like, vigilant that someone's coming to eat your lunch. Exactly, somebody's somebody's coming for you. Like, watch your back. You always gotta gotta be hustling. Yeah, um, yeah. I think like countries where, um, you know, I think people people have like really strong connections. Whether it's like family connections, like India. Again, big caveat. Like, I I've been to these countries for like a month. Like, don't yeah. know them well at all. Uh, okay, but I've I've been to these countries zero percent. Sure, and, sure, sure. Uh, and I think a lot of our li our, our listeners, whoever they wind up being, yeah, uh, will have not been to these places either. So your right. your personal perspective is 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 a useful one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, India, like uh, family connections are really important. Like like people live. I mean, grandparents and like great grandparents live together, and and uh, you know, again, India has all sorts of problems, just like any country. Um, Ethiopia, I mean, I, like, there there is a certain kind of sense of connectedness throughout the country. I think there's like a tremendous amount of national pride, and um, and Ethiopia is like an incredibly diverse country. A lot, like, I think like fifty fifty languages, like all sorts of tribes, and um, this is again like such a it's a it's an anecdotal just piece of evidence. But like one thing I was always struck by is like people were very forgiving of each other. So you'd have like two like buses like mini buses the public transportation system um they'd be going down this like one like two lane one lane in either direction like road which is like super crowded and like people are like crossing it constantly the traffic is terrible and like somebody would yeah. just cut somebody off and in the u.s like we'd be like what the hell like get out of my way i got a place to and like <laughs> he i mean somebody just would uh one of the drivers would just like cut in front of the other and like be doing a u-turn or something and they just mm -hmm. like smile right afterwards and like thumbs up and there was this sense that like hey like like <laughs> we all we're all in this together like cool like uh, i'm 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 understanding and uh and and like i'm i'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt like i'm i'm gonna be forgiving and 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 like not immediately rush to to judgment and like anger um so i i think that if uh if you can create that sense of like compassion throughout a country and and connection i think that goes a long way so we're the new, we're the new adults right where we're and we're not the people i talked about that nah, what, what, i just like, come on put that game away you know give me the <laughs> remote <laughs> so we're the new adults right people that talk like me and you are adults <laughs> And we, what's we our legacy? Shots. What's our legacy going to be? Well, a couple like things that I was just thinking about. 
one, we're like children of the 90s where, you know, it was like the economy's booming. There's no problems. Uh, cheese <laughs> is everywhere, as as you've pointed out. Eat more cheese. Uh, when, when, Nacho when, cheese. When, cheese when in doubt, When in doubt, put cheese on it. Just eat uh, cheese all the time. There's no, what, what could go wrong if you eat cheese every fucking day? <laughs> have, have, have a hot pocket. Yeah. What, what would be the reason, if there was a God <laughs> and he created humans, there'd be, he was never, he was probably like, please stop eating those hot pockets. I don't want you to eat those. Yeah. What good no, could come like, from eating eat, that? Eat, eat some of the nice things that I've given you, like the... Ugh, like the, the strawberry the, is disgusting. <laughs> Give me a hot pocket. The nuts and the fruits that just grow um, <laughs> that you can eat. Yeah, so like we're we're coming from a place of, I think like we were raised in an in the, in an interesting time in the U.S. where it was like growth, every everything's doing fine. Again, coming like from our perspective, from a privileged like middle class, you know, uh, perspective, like everything is fine. Uh, I think kids now are like, this is so bad. This is so I know bad. this is like, fucked. Uh, I know. Like in twenty years, like climate change is. Uh, I mean, we we've we've talked about it. Like it's it's terrifying. It's it's gonna not just like oh we're gonna have more cyclones and like hurricanes <laughs> and it's like there's gonna be massive displacement of people. Like there's gonna be war. There's gonna be famine. There's gonna be like and it's gonna and, happen in the next forty years. Exactly. Exactly. And and we're nowhere. Like we're not taking it seriously at all. So I kind of think one, if you're like growing up in this day and age, you're like, what? Are, this is this is not good at all. Like, there's all these problems, not just climate change, but like the rise of authoritarianism and just like xenophobia and, and nationalism and like the rise of dictatorships and all these things. Um, so I think that influences uh, people. I also think like not to sound anarchist and like no, please too too not too nihilistic. I think like things just have to kind of get bad. Um, they have to, to bottom out. People. Yeah, like yeah. I think they have to bottom out. Unfortunately, climate change is going to be a thing. Like we're, <laughs> it's going to be bad. And uh, yeah, like, I mean, it is, it already hope... is bad. Right, right, right. But I don't it like. Already. I think the way we are. I mean, we have seven billion people. Like to to really change minds and and to just change structures. I think you kind of like just need to go through some really tough times. And uh, and so we'll see. But um, well, I, that's what I was kind of saying is like in order to get to a place where you even as an individual where you make a mental shift and you say, I'm going to live a different way. You have to bottom right. out in our culture. Yeah. You have to hit you yeah. have to hit rock bottom and say I, there must right. be another way. And everybody's sure. gone through that, whether sure. whether it's like a mental health problem or a drug problem or even right. just like just simple as like I hate my job. Right. You, know, you have to get to a point where you're like, I can't wake up and do this anymore. There must right. be another way. And then you right. and we have to get to that in a global but for unfortunately for us, you know, it's gonna come in the form of a giant tidal wave wiping out New York. Right. And I, I don't think I'm crazy. Like the research indicates that this is what's going to happen. And um move west. <laughs> the West will be, will won't be. Look at the fires, man. Like you no, know, move just a little. Look what bit happened more. in Australia in January. And that was the beginning. We kicked off 2020 by three billion animals dying in Australia. You know. Yeah. This is widespread suffering on a mass scale, and it's mm -hmm. like I think we have a little pocket right now where we're able to like kind of come up for air and talk about. Well, we gotta talk about this. Like this is happening. Mm -hmm. Did you? Like, could you believe what happened in Australia? Like, mm -hmm. but this is a very short window. I think mm -hmm. like the window where we get to live and, like I said earlier in the podcast, fuck off in our corner of the world and not worry about it, and go to Costco and not think about the three billion animals that died in Australia, like. I think that window is closing fast. And mm -hmm. I, I, and I think what I'm optimistic about is that the youth, I think, are are tuned into it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, but I think every, like, young generation is always, 
like saying saying things that a lot of us think like you interact with kids and they just say things and you're like that's totally right like that's a really good point <laughs> and i think what's like as you get older you're just like well it's not practical like uh we can't we can't just end the day early and, and go play <laughs> like I, exactly. I have i have a report to work on uh again if everybody if everybody said i'm gonna stop working what does this all mean then everything would fall apart um but, but I then think... again, but there's the Disney conundrum where it's like, but you do lose your sense of wonder because you have, yeah. to ch- you have to sacrifice it, your childlike nature, in order to participate in the global lie. You have right. to you have to chip away at yourself to do. You right. have to eat at yourself. Right. At your at your at our nature as human to be creative, fun, amazing, not, and you know what I mean. Not care about like what everyone thinks of us. Yeah. Like, just do just do things, make a fool of ourselves, like fall, like make make yeah. a mistake, say something stupid. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, yep. don't stop doing those things. Yeah. Just, just to, to do what, like, yeah. to to educate yourself on things that are not real, like, right. like, uh, economic structures moving up and down, and world mm-hmm. history, which is not real, like, in the sense, like the the history. You know what my history lessons were in, in school and middle school? Mm-hmm. Day one of middle school. Let's learn. Lo- let's learn about Mesopotamia and the Fertile Crescent. Oh, there mm-hmm. was this great civilization, and they planted flowers. And then, okay. D- Seventh grade, Mesopotamia again. Eighth grade, Mesopotamia again. Now I didn't go to the greatest high school, you know. Ninth grade, Mesopotamia again. Tenth grade, Mes- I, all I knew until I was twenty years old was that there was a, a a very prosperous ancient civilization in Mesopotamia in the Fertile Crescent. That was literally all I learned about history. I didn't know yeah. nothing about. I knew nothing, nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a history major, so I should oh, I should okay. just clarify like that that was pretty <laughs> offensive. Uh, <laughs> I'm also planning on becoming a high school uh history teacher so Good. i'll try to do, i'll try to do better yeah. um but yeah it man starts I mean, with the, education. Ag- the agricultural revolution was was really the greatest the greatest thing we've <laughs> ever done it's enabled all of this growth and success but that's what you're taught in school you know and then you start to think like how can i that, you, that the reason i said that topic. i know that seemed like an off topic rate like rant but um what i was really trying to say is like that you you start this the very first thing you're taught is that like we started with the agricultural revolution and then you build up through your time in, in middle school and high school, just learning about systems and these structures that you're th- that you're being prepped to participate in, and and then you just you know when you're like a music kid or like mm-hmm. a creative person, even you know in any way, even if you're an athlete, you know which I now wrap my mind around. Like a lot of kids are like, don't you know? It's like it's like nah, you gotta get in line. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that we yeah. like, if you're gonna become a teacher, that's yeah. you know be a teacher that empowers them to not lose that sense of wonder. I would say. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. the The other thing I'll say is like I think I think even adults like, I think deep down everybody agrees like there's something wrong and like w- couldn't we live a better way? I I think just as you get older, like in a good way, you just accept things more. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is what it is. You know, I'm not gonna change it. Let me and th- and that's like a tough balance to strike. It's what we talked about before, like contentedness versus like being being uh, driven and like wanting wanting to change things for the better. Like, I think that can be exhausting and like you, you also need to pick your spots and say like, all right, um, there's only so much I can do. And like, I'm going to try to do the, do the best I can through just like the example I set and like the choices I make each day. But if I'm always saying like, this is crazy, I can't believe we do it this way, it's going to burn you out. Mm-hmm. So, but I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, I, I guess I just, I think even older, the older generation, like, deep down or even if if you just like sat down with people and said like don't you think it's a little crazy that that we uh you know value like we think that that a happy life is like 
a, a nice house and and like a, a good like a good fast expensive car and like <laughs> getting paid more and and ha- eating eating at nice restaurants when like deep down everybody knows like that's not what makes you happy. I think that we need to really tune into the youth and stay in touch with the youth as to what they're doing as the mm-hmm. new adults. The new adults will be empathetic and symp- sympathetic towards the needs of the culture that's going to take over the world. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. my goal. And I, that's what I, I think I would encourage other people my age or people that are having kids to think about. Like, don't don't be an adult in the way that you've been raised as an, to, to think of adults. Be an adult as somebody who can usher you in the right direction, that can provide wisdom, that knows themselves, that is a positive perspective, you know, that and has values and that are that are good and builds community but don't resist yeah you know i think we need to we need to not resist and we need to and i think everybody our age as they become adults need to think don't resist what the youth is identified as humongous problems in our yeah. society i think they'll get solved sure. i i think there's a way to solve them in our lives i mean i know that was a deep sure. tirade but before we wrap up man i just want to say like thank you so much for being the first guest i know this isn't easy i mean mm-hmm. what did it, it sounded easy it's, you seemed like you um you know you obviously you're very eloquent I, and I've hated, <laughs> I've hated it. I've hated it. I just well, you're an introverted person, right? Would you consider yourself an introvert? Yeah. So I imagine it must suck for an introvert to have to be the pilot tester on some extroverted guy's new podcast. I mean, this uh, isn't going to be released, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Of course not. I'm just going to show it to my mom. <laughs> I'm just like, do you love me now? But um. Oh my god, my palms are sweating. I'm going to need to <laughs> lie down for for 30 minutes. It's not that. Ice, I just really. It just. I really appreciate it because it's just a really good friend move to do this because I can't even completely articulate why I want to do it. I just want to do it, you know. And sure. um, I'm doing it for the joy of doing it. Like you know, I just want to do this. So um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And I, I appreciate that you trust me enough to come on this journey with me. Sure. And, uh, I think you're a um, fascinating individual, and I would say that this probably isn't going to be our. our last episode together. You'll come on again because we we didn't even touch on half the subjects that we usually talk about. You know. It's true. Yeah. It's true. No, I, I, I'm happy to be, be on it and uh I'm really excited. I think this is a this is a really neat like idea and, and uh as an aside I've always been impressed with with just your uh nonstop pursuit of ideas and and, and uh I think a lot of people get in ruts and kind of get demotivated and say like oh, I don't you know uh, but it seemed like Every every year you have something that you're pursuing, and I think this is like a neat just uh, project to to talk to to different people and and spread ideas and and talk for for five hours with everyone. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the very first episode, and it was really kind of you to do so. And let's let's talk again, huh? Sounds good. All right, man. All right, folks. That's it. That's the first episode of Real People Podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Mark Knapp. Tune in for more episodes. We have a great lineup. And uh, follow me on Instagram at Insta Ginsburg. Thank you.